Well, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Together. And last week we talked about uh, what was happening in Acts 2. We're using that passage, verses 42 to 46, and what the early church did, all the exciting things. One of them we talked about last week was they ate together a lot. We're going to do that at the picnic, and it's not going to rain. I'm just saying that by faith. But we're going we're gonna, to, come on out and let's, uh, let's, let's have some fun today, and, and uh, the Word talks about that. Today we're talking about something that was happening among them that maybe doesn't happen enough in churches, the awesome wonders of God. Here's what it says in Acts 2.43. It's the early church, Jesus has been resurrected, um, the Holy Spirit has come. And, and so, so now they're, they're experiencing these amazing signs and wonders of God among them. Here's what it says. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were being done by the apostles. Well, some people have poo-pooed the miracles and the wonders of God so much that we don't even ask anymore. As a result, we're losing a generation. This is part of what I believe. Did you know that teens are constantly hit with portrayals of the supernatural in movies now. Have you noticed that? Television, books, video games, it's all the supernatural movie, and they're drawn to it. It's interesting that we've stopped talking about it, but there's a void in their lives seeking this, what might be some power beyond just human power, and so they're, they're looking at other places. In total, 75% or three-quarters of Americans Teenagers who are 13 to 18 have personally engaged in at least some type of witchcraft or psychic-oriented behavior at some point during their lives. 75%, 13 to 18, have been opened up a little bit trying something there. Interesting, huh? All that in a time where we're not talking about the supernatural anymore in the church. Teenagers are comfortable exploring these activities because they're experiencing that form of Christianity that's devoid of spiritual power these days. And after experiencing God, if they will experience God in their lives and see his power working in their lives, it's much more difficult to swallow Satan's cheap alternatives. So I want to talk about the truth and the reality of this power of God that had them all in awe in the New Testament, that beginning church. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'd come by the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, when you left, you said, I'm going to send you the comforter. You said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He will teach you and he will guide you. And so, Lord, we open our hearts up through your word that gives us the evidence of these things. We open our hearts up to these truths and these realities, and we ask you to help us not only believe in them, but, Lord, help us get to a place where we experience your signs and your wonders. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a few things from the Bible today, and the first is this. Almighty God is awesome. And I put almighty in front of that just because I want you to know who this one is. This is the one true God. This is the one who can do all things. This is the one who has all power in his hands. This is the one who's in control of the universe. He created the universe. Acts 2.43, everyone in that new church was filled with awe. God is awesome. That word awesome, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means inspires fear and reverence. When you see how incredible he is, uh, you, you, you'll fall on your face. Genesis 1.1 says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If I said to you that this beautiful pulpit here um, was birthed over a thousand years when it oozed up out of the asphalt one day, and gases formed, and over time with the wind and the rains and all, all the elements, it developed into this amazing thing you see today, this structure, you'd say, you're off your rocker, Pastor, because you know that that is so precise that someone created it, right? Someone, and someone who had some skills, put this together. I think it's intellectually dishonest to look at creation as complex as it is, one billion times more complex than this, the way everything works, and say that it just happened. Uh, really, you, if, if you have any intellectual honesty, you have to at least believe there must have been some intelligent form of power that created. You could at least get there. Well, God created. The one true God. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. For instance... One of my friends put it this way, right now you have no sensation of motion. 
but you're sitting on a planet that is spinning around its axis at approximately 1,000 miles per hour. Planet Earth will make one full rotation in the next 24 hours. Not only that, you're traveling through space at approximately 66,600 miles per hour. Before the day is done, you will travel 1.3 million miles in your annual trek around the sun, and you didn't have any big plans for today. (laughs) Mark Batterson wrote that in one of his books. The same God that created the heavens and the earth created you, created mankind, has all power in his hands, and when we think of his great power, we're in awe, we begin to to know that he can do whatever he wants, and then we're more willing to ask. But not only does he have great power to create and to do whatever he wants, he has great love for you and I. The same God who created us, um, we, we went astray from him. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that all of us like sheep have gone astray and we've turned our own way. And after God created and having humankind turn away from him, he wanted to restore us back to relationship. So in a supreme act of love, he sent his son Jesus Christ to walk this earth to experience every temptation. You see, God's so altogether holy that he must punish sin. Well, he had a dilemma, didn't he? We're all sinners and we're his creation that he loves and he doesn't want to punish us. But he's so just and he's so true and he's so righteous that he must do the right thing. So he sent his only son to walk the earth to be the spotless lamb. And here's what's so amazing about what God did with his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus bore the pain on the cross that we deserve. The punishment of sin fell on him that it might not fall on you and me. And by his stripes, we are healed. And God the Father knew that he would raise him from the dead on on the third day, that he would take him to heaven, that the Holy Spirit would come, and that we could be restored through Jesus Christ. All we have to do to be saved is admit that we're sinners and admit that the grace of God has been offered through Jesus Christ who became the sacrifice for our sins. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to do a long list of things to get right. You just need to admit that I'm a sinner and say, God, I take your grace, unmerited favor. You gave it to me through Jesus Christ. Now, it takes that humble admission, but it doesn't take a, 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 a list of, of things that you gotta do to get right to get in. That is the awesome grace of God. Colossians 1 says it this way. Always thanking the Father, he's enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Now why would I talk about creation and and salvation when we're starting talking about the awesome works of God? I want you to remember who he is before you pray. If you will start, no matter what you're praying for, remember of the power that's in his hands with all creation, of the love that's in his heart for you because he's rescued you from powers uh, that that would steal you away and and he's given you heaven that would be eternal life if you accept his son, Jesus Christ. When you remember that, you know how good and how powerful he is, you'll come to him with a whole different attitude to ask him for things. You'll believe that he has the power to do it and you'll believe that he loves you so his heart's towards you to do it. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can, all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. He can, I can think of a lot of stuff, but he can do, he wants to do well beyond what I can even think of, what you can think of. There's no miracle that's too big for him because of this great power. Philippians 4.19, my God will use his wonderful riches in Christ Jesus to give you everything you need. He has everything you need. Psalm 84.11, for Jehovah God is our light and our protector. He gives us grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk along his paths. And some of us have decided that he wants to withhold something good from us for whatever reason. We messed up. We don't think we're worthy. We think other people have it together better and he likes them more. Listen, no good thing will he withhold from you if you'll take his hand and follow him. So let's talk now about the second thing I see in this passage. The first is he is awesome and his heart's towards you. And let that bless you and let that be an at- the, the, the atmosphere that you come to him in for prayer. It'll change things with your faith when you ask. Second now, signs and wonders follow those who believe. 
It says in Acts 2.43, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Now, there are those uh, who've taught for many years in America. As a matter of fact, it used to be taught. It's not taught so much. There, people used to teach that all miracles had ceased with the coming of, of the canon of the scriptures or the Bible. And that only the apostles, you can look at this and it says the apostles did great wonders. Well, really it was the Lord doing it through them is what the scripture is saying. But there are people who say, well, it's the apostles, it's not us. And it was just for that day, it's not for today. Are signs and wonders for today? Well, look at what it says here in Mark 16. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Okay, so this is the Bible. It's talking to all of us, talking to all the believers that miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. It's not recommending this. It's just saying, you know, if it happens, they'll be covered. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Huh. Well, if it's just for the apostles, why does it say that those things will follow those who believe. Why would it say another place in the scriptures, call on the elders of the church and ask them to anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith and, and, and that you'll be healed uh, because of the prayer of faith. Why would it say that if it's not for all of us? Well, here's the truth. It is for all of us. If the enemy can't stop the church, he'll at least distract us and keep us from all the good things that the Lord might give us by making us have a little disbelief in some of these areas. But he's good and he still does signs and wonders. Now, I want to speak to the balance of this because I know there, there's two extremes in this whole deal. There are those who say miracles never happen, called cessationists, and there are those who say a miracle will happen if anybody will have faith. Every, every, whatever you pray will happen right now. Well, that's an extreme and that's not true. It's not true because of the mitigating circumstances and the great wisdom and purpose of the Lord. He, he has timing for things. It is true that you'll be healed here, there, in the air. But let me try to speak balance to all this because you can take any, either of those beliefs and try to prove them by putting some scriptures together. But if you take the whole of the scriptures, you find the balance of it all, right? And, and so let's look at the scriptures. This is for sure true. You can't please God without faith and you can't get the things that he has for you, right? Even salvation comes by faith. So Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Well, that makes sense that God would be looking for us to believe him for some things. And then it says he rewards us when we have faith in him, okay? And then in Matthew 21, this is Jesus. And he's, he replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, a miracle just happened there, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. Well, you read that and you say, huh, I'm not sure I believe that. And then you think, oh, Jesus said it. Okay, well, maybe I should give that a little more thought. Well, there's the balance of the scriptures and Jesus said more to, than, than, than that. That's true. But he's certainly speaking of faith there, isn't he? That he wants us to believe for things. And Matthew 13, 58 it shows us that he couldn't even do miracles when there was a lack of faith or not as many of them because it says he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So whether, wherever there's a lack of faith, we see less of these signs and wonders. Now, so let's kind of bring the balance to that. It does take faith, but, but God balances out that faith factor with other factors that he makes obvious in his word. So let's look at that. His will is a factor. In Luke twenty two forty two, 42, the same Jesus that said that scripture, uh, uh, the words from that scripture I just read said this, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He even said in a prayer, when they said, teach us how to pray, he said to pray that God's will would be done. So the, the will of God, now, now listen, the will of God, I know some of us think it's absolutely synonymous with our thoughts. But I've never met anyone who, who always had the, the mind and the will of God naturally. So we will have thoughts that are, 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 are um, well, they're just less intelligent thoughts. They're less informed than God's. Okay, is that safe to say that God would be more informed than you and I? And, and so he knows all things. He has all things in his hands. So we have to trust that sometimes even though we want something because he has purpose that's larger than we know. Jesus said, if it's possible, let this cup pass. He's in the garden. They're about to come to get him. They're going to crucify him. 
he sweat great drops of blood. There's actually a medical condition where that happens when, 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 uh, when a body is, is just racked with emotion. And, and, and it can happen at times. And I don't know if that actually happened, but it, it perhaps did because it, it, it speaks of sweating great drops of, of, of blood. Even at that time when he was praying, he was so distressed. And he didn't want to go to the cross uh, in one sense. He's a man and it meant pain. But in another sense, he's fully God as well who came for this purpose. So he was able to pray, even though this is going to be difficult, not my will, but yours be done. Well, God had his own son go through something very difficult for some purpose that he had that was amazing that people couldn't see in the moment. In a lesser way, but just as true, he has purpose in our lives to build things, to do things, to show his grace, to show his mercy, to build our patience and perseverance through a trial. There's a, there's a place in the scripture that says, comfort others with the comfort you've received. Well, how do we, how do we comfort people? I, I talked to a brother yesterday who went to buy a car, and when he got there, uh, the car was for sale because someone had, had, had passed away, someone that she loved. And, and she cried, and, and he said, you know, I don't think it's a mistake. I'm a preacher, and I, I believe the Lord brought me here uh, to pray for you. And he prayed for her, and he ministered to her. And, he, you know, he's lost loved ones. And the Spirit of God is comfort. And with the same comfort he's re- received, he was giving comfort to others. And the Spirit of God was moving on this lady who did not know Jesus Christ. God uses hard things in our lives to show his glory. I'm not willing for hard things to come. As a matter of fact, I will that they would go away. But nevertheless, not my will, but God's be done. Because, because we're his, and he's, this, is not, this is not heaven. This is not the place where it's perfect. This is not the apex. This is a place where we find out who's faithful, where we do all we can so that God's kingdom will come, his will will be done, and people will go to heaven for eternity. We're just here for a short time, and God has an eternal perspective, not a temporal one like the one that we usually carry. <clears throat> First John, excuse me, 5.14 says this. <clears throat> this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, hmm, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked. So there's some balance if we ask according to his will. Um, you ever had a child ask you to do something that wasn't safe or wise? I'm telling you, I would have had candy for every meal if my parents would have let me. They'd give me a quarter and I'd walk a mile for a Snickers bar, man. I'm not, I'm not yeah, you could get one for a quarter when I was young, that's true. <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm young in my heart, that's all you need to know, okay? Well, God knows with all of his wisdom what we need and what's best for us and for his purposes in the long haul. And here's something I think is noteworthy. Some of the most godly people in the Bible had physical issues that were not healed. So when people say, if you have faith, it'll, it'll go away. Job was allowed to go through a deep trial to bring glory to God. God allowed him to sit with boils all over his body. It was the will of God, and yet God was doing something. And I, I promise you, Job, Job didn't want to go through it. You can read the honesty when you read the book of Job, but so many people have been ministered to and have held on to God because of the book of Job and the story of Job and have come out on the other side and seen victory because one of the brothers who went through it showed us the way. God used that even though he wasn't healed in the moment that he wanted to be healed. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him from getting prideful. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Um, Paul advised Timothy to use wine uh, in its medicinal purposes to heal his stomach. Well, I mean, he's a man of faith, right? A lot of people got healed with the touch of, of Paul. Jesus died at 33. We just talked about that. Under the perfect will of God, Submitting perfectly to God's will, he's at the right hand of the Father forevermore making intercession for you and I, and he died at 33. There are those who say, well, you know, if you're blessed, you get your promise to get some Old Testament scripture at least 70 years. I don't think you're promised that by God. I think you ought to live your life completely and wholly for Jesus Christ because you never know when the day will come when your ticket's called. The Bible says it's appointed for man once to die, and I don't think that means just one 
uh, you know, that we're to die once necessarily or only. It could certainly means that predominantly. But it also means there's an appointment for us. I don't know when my appointment is. I want to tell you this. I want to live all out for him till the day comes. And I know a lot of people who have the day come when they weren't expecting it. We had a precious brother pass away here, Steve Williams, and the, the last week, and we're having this memorial Tuesday, and he was just there in the lobby, and I was talking to him and shaking his hand, and he's gone. Life is a mist. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. And, and th- th- we all have an appointment. That's why we ought to get serious about, you know, everything we do here determines where we live for eternity and, and even the treasures that are laid up in heaven for eternity, as the word says. So it's important that we focus on the kingdom of God and blessing others and not just ourselves. And, and so that's a perspective that God has, eternal, not just temporal. It's not true that God will heal everything in the moment when we pray for it. You say, how do you know that? That's a strong thing to say, and there are those who feel differently. Well, who do you know that can do that? That's my first question. Why aren't the hospitals empty? Because they should be walking through, getting it done, right? God heals. Now, I'm not trying to do damage to faith here, but I'm trying to bring balance. And, and I'll, I'll, But Michael Green said this. And Michael Green, I might add, is a Pentecostal guy, a charismatic guy who believes in healing and the miracles of God. But he says, as a scholar, as one who knows the whole counsel of God in the Bible, what a nonsense it would make of Christian virtues like long-suffering patience and endurance if instant wholeness were available for all the Christian sick. And he meant in the, in the moment for now. You say, well, why would he say that? Because he knew this scripture, James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Here it is, that we can go through hard times that God uses for his glory. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. I can't understand it. I, I don't believe God did it, but I, I lost uh, a brother I never knew, Eric Ray Russell. Uh, when he was 21 months old, my, ch- my, my parents' first child, he died in a fire. And um, it, it has to be the biggest grief that my parents have ever known. And yet... I've seen God use that incredibly when a parent loses a child. Because my parents go to them and they speak of the comfort and the strength of God that came to them when they couldn't, they couldn't do it on their own. And people turn their hearts to Christ and the comfort of the Holy Spirit comes. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So I say this. Look on the screen at it. Our faith must be informed that in the grand scheme of it all, God's eternal purposes and perspective are wiser and more important than this fleeting moment in time. His perspective is, is different but he's good and he's still up to something good. See, we see this earth sometimes as, as, as the best thing, but it's not. The Bible tells us and it's, that the things that we can't see are more real than the things we can when it comes to heaven. And so heaven is that place where there's no more crying, no more pain, no more tears, and we can go see our loved ones there. And that's not too much consolation now, but there's gonna be a great celebration the first day you hit heaven because there'll be a lot of loved ones who've gone before and, and you, you will know them and, and, and be known by them and, 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 and there'll be some rejoicing. So all of that, we're trying to balance it out now, right? Now back to faith, all right? Because I, I don't want to be so much on that that I damage your heart to believe him for a miracle. Because this, this today is about believing him for, for miracles, Okay. But I, but I feel that that needs to be spoken because there's so much excess of, of, of bad doctrine that floats out there and makes people feel guilty and terrible. And I, I don't think the Lord likes it when we hurt people. The Word's supposed to help people. James 4, 2 says this. So all that said, and yet God still say this, says this, you do not have because you do not ask. So what are we to do? We're to ask Him for great things. We're to ask Him for miracles. We have good doctors. And I like 
Here's what I say. Doctors are good, Jesus is great. That's what I say. All healings can be verified by the doctor and should be. We don't have to be afraid of that. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Uh, So good medicine, if it's right and true and good, even that knowledge is God's knowledge, right? All truth is God's truth. So we can rejoice in the Lord for that. If the doctor heals me, Jesus still gets the credit. I'm telling you, I go to good doctors and I like them. I like a good doctor. As a matter of fact, here's one right here. I better like them. Um, But... But here, here's the deal. I still give Jesus the credit because he gave the wisdom and, 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 and he, he gives me the covering and, and uh, I, I just, I, I just want to put my hands in the hand of the great physician or myself in the hands of the great physician the most. That is my heart. We ask because we know this. Why do we ask God for a miracle? Why would we ask him for a healing? Why would he ask him, we ask him to touch our finances if we'd messed up in ourselves and if we'd done better? I mean, we know, right? We shouldn't have bought that. We shouldn't have done this. We got ourselves in trouble. Now what? Well, sometimes we think God just wants to just step on us and say, yeah, it's your own fault. And, but he still loves us. You love your kids if they don't get it just right, right? So he'll still meet us. He'll still love us. He'll still cover us. And we go to him because he's all powerful. He can meet our needs. And because his heart is towards us and he loves us. And we ask him for a miracle. We ask believing in that goodness and power. And yet we trust him in all things if it doesn't happen in our way, and our timing. I said it last week, but I want to say it again just to balance things out here. Hebrews 11. First, it's called the faith chapter in the Bible. First half of the chapter, Abraham, Noah, by faith, they believed, they went, saw amazing miracles. Second half of the faith chapter. The faith chapter now. They were living by faith when they died. They were martyred. The world was not worthy of them, the scriptures say. They were sawn in two and killed. And, a, and they get a martyr's crown. Now, and so, so here's what I say about faith. We need to pray and ask by faith. And, and, and you see that the, 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 the one side of the coin is by faith we believe and we see the miracle that we want. And sometimes we see it now. You know, by the way, miracles, instantaneous healing is something that usually takes place over time. And God does both. Um, but, but by faith we believe and we see these signs and wonders. That's one side of the coin when it comes to faith. But the other side is to trust even when it doesn't happen. And they were commended for their faith in the second half of that chapter too when they trusted and they didn't get delivered. And God commended them and counted it as righteousness unto them and they got a reward in heaven for it. So let's, let's talk about some miracles for a moment. I want to talk about one of the miracles that has happened and it's this building, this property that we're on. Now, I know some of you have heard this story, but this is a passing parade. There's probably over 100 people here today who've never heard this. So, so be patient with me because we're talking about faith and I want you to see collectively some miracles, signs and wonders that the Lord has done among us, modern day. When I first went to the county planner, to talk about buying 40 acres. Remember then it was just a dream the Lord put on our hearts. We felt that God would have us move to a location, start a high school, we had the other schools already, and, and, and build the church, church high school on that site, keep the other schools on the site on Saget, which has happened now. It doesn't take much faith to believe this now because we're here, right? It took faith in the days before it happened. So I went to the county planner and he sa- I said, if we got 40 acres, could we build a large church and put a Christian high school there? And he said, well, the answer to that is yes, but the reality is not even God or the Pope could help you get that much land in the urban growth boundary because it's so expensive. And I said to him, oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I don't know why, but just in the moment, something rose up in me and Pastor John was there with me and I said, because now God's going to have to show you. Well, it, it certainly wasn't easy. Um, it took, uh, a, I, th- I think I said 14 million in the first, but I, I think the actual numbers, it took approximately $12 million that was raised among us uh, to get this done. And they're just miracles, people selling homes and houses and, and cars uh, and, and, and turning in their retirement accounts. I mean, I mean it, it, there were some real faith sacrifices among the people at this church. And uh, God bless all of you who gave because there's, been, there's already been thousands of people touched because of your faith. Um, but but as, as we were going, there was, there was a struggle to have faith. I remember sitting before someone because we didn't have the permits to build, right? But we kept moving saying, we think the Lord's, we bought this land right here without permits. And we were told that we couldn't get permits. 
But we felt God would have us to do it, right? These weren't spiritual people telling us this, by the way, but they were people who were well-informed by the natural things of the law and the land. But they didn't know that we had a source of power that's even greater than that. And I remember sitting after buying this, this, this piece of property here that, and the church sacrificing for it that I sat with a donor who I was asking for a million dollars. By the way, he's not here in this church, so you don't have to look around. But um, he listened to the vision and he said to me at the end, so can you for sure build on that site? And I had to be honest with him and said, I can't promise you that. He said, you'd like me to give you a million dollars when you're not sure you can get a permit. And I said, well, I'll tell you this. We can't keep moving forward unless we get funding for this. And um, we, we need you to have faith with us. I can't promise you it, but, I, but I'll tell you this. I do believe the Lord's going to do it. And there are a lot of people believing it, not just me. Well, here's an article or, or some truth of an article. It's on the screen for you that came out in November, on November 15, 2001, the Oregonian printed an article that said these things. Obstacles to growth. And I hated this article when it came out. Um, And yet I love it now as I look back because these were realities. These things were really hard and fast things that could stop us. So they saw reality and we were living by faith and the, the two weren't clashing. Obstacles to growth. Outlining our vision and all the obstacles we had to overcome before we could build. The obstacles they listed were funding land, uh, or funding rather, land permitting issues, uh, being outside of the urban growth boundary, the fact that a rural school must draw its students mainly from rural areas, and, and, and we had water issues. The city of Tualatin had said that they had no intention of providing water to us. Um, so all of these things, and yet we said, God, we want to trust you. We want to believe you for, for doing this. You've led us to this land. We felt like you made that obvious. We need your help. We tried, now, now one of the things that was interesting is they would not give us, they had to give us a school permit, but since we weren't in the urban growth boundary, we were in the rural, right? Tualatin, we weren't in Tualatin, we are now, but we weren't then. We were right across the street from the city boundaries, and we're between Wilsonville and Tualatin in this greenway right here where they're fixing the road. And um, so they, they said, well, we'll give you a rural permit because you're not, you're not you know, in the urban places. And the truth is, if we'd, if we'd have been in the urban growth boundary, they, 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 they didn't have to give us one. But look what God did. He's so wise and he's so amazing. They said, we'll give you a rural permit, but that means 70% of your students have to come from basically farms in the area or outside the city limits. Of Anybody with the city limits address cannot come to your school. Well, that's a school killer, right? But... God sent people, as we prayed and we prayed, and lawyers that helped us know, we found out something they didn't know. Honestly, all these professionals, they didn't know that if we had a rural permit and we were swept into the urban growth boundary, that it automatically flipped to an urban uh, permit. And so we said, yes, we'll accept the rural permit, and they were shocked because they were saying, uh, well, uh, really? Because, you know, uh, how many students can you have? You can't, and we say, no, it's okay. Just, we're good with it. And so then we thought, God, you're gonna help us get in the urban growth boundary. And we started working every angle we knew. We were praying, and we were coming up to a time where we had some funds and we were ready to build, and we couldn't get it done. And I tell you, I told people, this thing was a roller coaster, man. You know, money coming in, people who made pledges pulling it back, uh, you know, permits that we thought would be there that weren't there, and then God would do something, we'd pray, and every time we had trouble, the church would pray, and we'd get a breakthrough. That seemed to be the way it went. And, and, but, but we came to the end, and we couldn't get it done. And, and you know, I've, I've walked, before this building was built, I think around 500 times I walked this property to pray. I know because of the years and the walks I would come out here for. We just made it a habit, Karen and I. <clears throat> and I remember coming out here and saying, Lord, what are you doing? How are we going to get this done? They're saying, no, we, don't, we can't do it. There's some money, but not enough. And all of these things I was talking to the Lord about. You know, if there's no reason to doubt, there's no reason to have faith, right? So you have to battle doubt when it comes to this faith thing. <clears throat> but you keep moving, and you keep asking God, and that's what this church did. Well, amazingly, when we couldn't do it, this happened. Incredibly. 
Um, For 30 years, Metro had been reviewing 3,100 acres that they had designated as land that they would possibly pull into the urban growth boundary. Of those 3,100 acres, they were only going to pull 400 in. 30-year study. There's civic government for you. We knew nothing of this. We didn't know that our land was part of that 3,100 acres, the whole Greenway, you know, that was being surveyed. And amazingly, when we came to, to, to our end and we couldn't get it done, suddenly we see this in the paper that says 3,100, uh, you know, uh, the, the acres have come in and we found out we were in it. And now the permit that we never could have gotten any other way for a school, we'd accepted the rural permit and it flipped automatically to an urban permit. And now we had permission to build and we had money and then God helped us to sell off 17 acres for $400,000 that we had bought for $52,000. And we were on. Now I'm not here to tell you today that we were wise. I'm not here to tell you that I really worked it through and you're lucky to have me as a leader. (laughs) I'm here today to tell you that we prayed, that we had faith. In a way, I think God chose us because people would have to look and say, well, they couldn't do that. I remember um, <clears throat> one of the mayors, <clears throat> a good man, telling me, you, you can't do this. You know, it's just not possible. And I was shocked when I told him, I said, you know it's three quarters built out there, right? He didn't even know. And then they swept us into the the city limits. Um, But after it happened, he looked at me differently, and he really gave me more, way more credit than I deserve. And he said, well, I believe if anybody could get it done, later he was talking about some more dreams we had. He said, if anybody can get it done, you can, Pastor Stan. It's not true that I can get it done, but we know who can get it done, don't we? We know who can get it done. And we have seen amazing miracles. This is a school now, the high school. We have the church, but, the, but, but we have a vibrant church here today. And we're having people saved every week. We have this new site. We have a Hispanic church on our old site that's meeting this morning. And there's a great work that's happening there. We have schools happening on both campuses, three schools and a, and a, and a daycare with the junior high, high school, elementary school and daycare. And, and there's just families being touched incredibly. Now, here's, the, here's why I say that. Do you think God would do all that stuff in the past? and that we're pretty much done? That he just did it so we could just get here and sit here and talk about that moment? No. He has more miracles that he wants to bring to this place. He has more things that he wants to do. And it's all about people. It's about touching lives. It's about seeing people saved. It's, it's about a single mama being ministered to and healed. It, it's about a, a divorced couple uh, being reached and loved. Because God cares. John 14, 13, you can ask for anything using my name and I will do it for this will bring praise to the Father because, what I, because of what I, the Son, will do for you. So I, on that basis, we see kind of corporate miracles, but I'm gonna tell you one of the reasons I believe in miracles. I just wanna tell you three quick ones that came from my youth because it set the foundation for me to believe. Uh, we were a, uh, a family that didn't have much money growing up. My dad, we were a great family. You don't have to have a lot of money to, to have a great family. My dad was a preacher, usually of small churches, uh, with meager income, who made some income up on the sides as well. On the side, I should say. Um, but we saw a lot of miracles growing up, and, and usually with God's provision, largely because we didn't have stuff, so we needed to pray so it'd be provided, Right? And uh, uh, let me tell you three quick ones. I remember, uh, and some of you have heard them before, but I remember uh, in high school um, saying to my dad, my dad saying, son, I saw you slipping around on the court today. You need new shoes, don't you? I need new basketball shoes. And I, I, I was a junior playing on varsity and, and, and a starter, and, and yet I'm dealing with this. But I didn't want to ask my dad because he didn't have money. I knew that. So, you know, what am I going to do? Go make him feel bad about that, you know? So he said, uh, you need shoes. And I said, Yeah. And we, we lived in a mobile home, and he said, uh, how much money? And did, for the best shoes those days, man, I'm really dating myself. Forty bucks for the best Nikes you could buy that day. Can't even get one shoe for that with a discount. 
I said, $40. And he said, well, let's pray. So we join hands and we pray. And I'm not kidding. Five minutes later, a guy knocks on the door and says, Pastor, I was just driving by. I don't, I don't understand it, but I feel like I was supposed to come here and give you $40. So I'm, I'm just sitting in a chair. They're going. <laughs> My dad said, I know what that's for. I know what that's for. So the guy left, gave him a hug. Dad walked over to me, gave me $40, said, there you go. And I thought, God even cares if I have tennis shoes or basketball shoes. This is amazing. Maybe the most amazing one is when I was about 12 years old and my parents, I heard mom say, the, the boys need coats. It's coming to winter and they, they don't have coats. And <clears throat> um, Dad said, well, let's pray. Because we prayed over everything, man. We prayed over the meals. I mean, we, didn't, we, did, we prayed. We didn't just say a prayer. We prayed over the meals, you know. Lucky to get it hot, you know. I mean, that... <clears throat> So we, he prayed, God, you know, they need coats, and we don't have the money, we just pray you provide coats. And I'm driving down the freeway, freeway within an hour with my dad. God is my witness. This is my story in my life, so I know it's true. I'm looking and floating down from the sky as two coats as we're driving down the highway. And I'm like, holy cow, how'd that happen? And we pull over, and my dad picks him up, and he says, I, th- I think that, that truck, I think they flew out of the back of a truck. They were sitting in a truck, and the wind caught them, and they flew out. And I said, can we catch him? He said, no, I don't think so. And so, <laughs> so we went home. We're wearing these coats, and it's like, man, this is amazing. God, I want candy, too, you know? <laughs> then there was one. I don't know if I've told you this one before. Um, we were in Willows, California, where my dad was pastoring, and uh, suddenly, I don't know why, but we had like 21 visitors come to spend the night with us, family that all showed up at different times without the other knowing, and we couldn't even get food on the table for ourselves sometimes, or it was hard to do, and now we have a house full, you know, with, with a family of six and 21 additional. So dad said, oh, Lord, we don't have money to buy groceries, and he didn't want to ask the guests, you know, so he prayed, Lord, would you give me some help with this, and he got an idea. Turned out it was an idea from the Lord. So he said, boys, come with me. So he put the fishing stuff in the uh, car, and we went down to the local ponds. There were several of them near the canals where we'd fish, and we'd catch bass. We didn't catch very many, but we caught some. And they, it had been a dry season, and so they'd taken the water, and those ponds had sunk all the way down, very low, to almost like just huge mud puddles. And we drove up. Now, we didn't know this, but we drove up, and we look in there, and you can see fish moving in there. Dad gets a big net and he swoops through. On the first swoop, he picks up three bass that are over three pounds apiece. And he's telling us on the way, God said we could go down here and get some fish. So we're seeing these, we're going, oh my word. This is amazing. God cares if we, and he caught, I believe, and we, we netted them as well. We're helping. I think we caught like 15 or 20 of these big fish, went back and fed everybody that night. Now that's a small thing. But my whole perspective of God has been changed by these things. My perspective of the miracles that he would do. My perspective about how much he cares about some, some little 12-year-old. I want you to know that he cares about you. I want you to believe him for good things, to believe that he's good. You're not a crazy person if you ask God to do his miracles. He's supernatural. We're natural. He has a heart towards us. He's not going to do everything we ask because he's smarter than that. But he does want to show us how wonderful he is. Lastly, Jesus wants us to reach out and to receive his healing touch. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Some say gifts aren't available for today. That uh, these miracles... Uh, they're, they're, they're just not necessary. James 5.14, is any one of you sick? You should call on the elders of the church to pray. Here it is. And anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So this is James. He's writing to people in the churches. It's not the apostles. And he's saying, call on the elders of the church and pray the prayer of faith for healing. So it's just, it's in the Bible. It just is. And, and we're not... We're not taking uh, advantage of all the wonderful things that God wants to do for us and all this power and love. I was with a brother uh, yesterday, same brother I spoke of earlier, and he told me about his mom being blind for 21 years. And uh, 
one of the doctors heard this from a daughter who was explaining it was because of cataracts, and, and this, this doctor said, I want your mom to, to get examined again. There may be some things we can do for her today that we couldn't do back then. So the lady went back to her mom, who's well up in years, been blind for 21 years, and said, Mom, you, they say you should get a, an examination that you, you might be able to be fixed. She said, listen, the doctor told me 21 years ago that I would be blind and that there'd never be any cure for it. I don't want to go there and be disappointed. I've learned to live with this. But the daughter persisted and said, Mom, what's it going to cost you to just go check this out? You're coming with me. Got her down there. Doctors checked her out. Did a surgery on her eyes, as it turns out, and after 21 years of being blind, she was able to see. Now, uh, that's not a prayer of healing, although God can give us wisdom to take us to the right place, and he still gets the credit. Um, But I thought of this when I heard that yesterday. I wonder how many of us have just decided to live with the afflictions and the trouble we live with because it's just been this way so long. There's a place in the Bible where they're walking by the gate, beautiful, and there's a, uh, uh, Peter sees this guy who's been crippled. Do you know how many times they would walk by that guy through the years? This guy had been crippled all of his life. And sometimes they would go three times a day to the temple. So Peter and, and those, those apostles had walked by him plenty of times and maybe given him a few coins. But this day he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the man was healed. All these years he'd lived with it. You know, sometimes God has an appointed day for a miracle. The blind man that was healed by Jesus Christ. I loved what he said when they said, uh, give testimony to who, who really did this. We know this man, they're speaking of Jesus, is a bad guy. He said, well, I don't know about that, but I know this. I was once blind and now I see. I just love that scripture. I, I know this, I was once blind and now I see. So I, I, I just want us to have an atmosphere of faith that will ask him because you know what? He loves you. He has compassion for you. In Matthew 4, 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd and as he stepped from the boat, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Jesus has compassion on you and I, not just these people. He cares about us. He knows what you've been going through. A man with leprosy came to him in Mark 1 and begged him on his knees, if you're willing. Some people would say, well, that's not the right amount of faith. You've got to say it just right and have it just right or God won't honor your faith. It only takes the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, the Bible says. This man said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was filled with compassion. That's the way he feels about you and I. He's not only all-powerful, he's compassionate towards you. He reached out his hand and touched him and said, I'm willing. Jesus reached out his hand. I'm asking you today if you'd take hold of that hand of Jesus Christ and ask him. Now, we're going to have some prayer for healing here in just a moment. We're going to sing some courses. We're going to have elders and leaders from the church up here. We're going to ask people if you have a sickness, we're going to pray. We're not believing that we have any power. That's amazing, but we know he does. We've seen healing before. We're going to ask for miracles for your finances if you'll come. We're going to pray that signs and wonders will still be in the church today, not that it's the, just the church in the Bible. Because that was the way God intended for it to be. He's here for us. Will you reach out and take his hand? Several years ago, I was the youth pastor at this church, and we would take an annual trip to Maupin, Oregon for a raft trip. How many of you have been to Maupin, Oregon on a raft trip? I can't mop in Oregon, man. It's the thriving metropolis with tourists everywhere. And <clears throat> so we're on this trip and we have eight or 10 people on our raft and, and we have this one, this dad, he's, he's, he has a teenager, but he's in his 50s and uh, he's a little bit heavy and a little bit awkward and, and uh, he falls out of the boat when we hit boxcar. We didn't hit it right. We hit it sideways. Water gets in the boat. People are flying and he goes off the front of the raft and he grabs the front of it and hangs on. Well, what he should do is let go and ride down to the bottom, right? Because he's got his life jacket on. But he's hanging on. So I, along with a few others, we were able to stay in the boat. I look, and I go up to him to try to help him out, and I'm trying to grab him with both arms, and I notice that we're off the path now, and we're headed towards a huge rock that is bigger than a car. It's been there forever, and, and his head is in the back of this boat, and we're about to ram right into that rock. And as I saw it, 
uh, he was trying to get out, I was trying to pull him. I grabbed his hand, and in an instant, this happened. And I said, give me your hand, and he reached. And I grabbed him, and I, I don't know if God gave me supernatural strength. I tend to think there's some, some help there. But I jerked him into that boat as hard as I could with everything, thinking I might rip his arm off. But I jerked hard. He came out of there, flew into the boat, and bam, that thing hit right where his head was against the rock, and the whole boat doubled up. We hit it so hard. Later, that guy said to me, I believe that I would have died if you hadn't helped me in that moment. I don't know if you'd have died, but I believe his head would have really been hurting at the very least, right? I think of that, and I think, um, what, if, what if he wasn't willing to hold on? He wanted to hold on to the little security he had. What if he wasn't willing to take my hand? You know, he said later that he'd had trouble with that shoulder forever, and something popped in there, and he never had trouble again with the shoulder. So I, I mean, God, God was helping somehow. Because he was willing to let go of the security he had and take hold of my hand, I believe the Lord was helping us, he was saying, well, listen, I only have a little bit of strength in these hands. What I'm asking you to do today is take the hand of Jesus and let go of the little security you have. You, you know, keep going to the doctor. I'm not saying that. Keep doing all you can do. But take the hand of Jesus, who's compassionate and powerful, who loves you, and when you come down here for prayer, I want to encourage you to come in just a minute. I can't guarantee everybody will be healed, but I guarantee everybody will be touched by Jesus if they're sincere. And if he doesn't heal you, he'll give you peace and strength and wisdom because he loves you and he cares for you. Would you stand to your feet with me? I want the musicians to come. I want to read one more scripture. Here's what it says in John 16, 24. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Yeah, here it is. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be made complete. 